What's up? What's up? What's up? Hello, world. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to Real Talk with Rijan when nothing's off limits. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. Um, I am your host, Rajon Lewis. Um, so we're just going to take a couple minutes just to let people in. Um, we are live with Real Talk. Let the world know that we are live, and they can join us. Really easy show to find. Uh, please share, share, share. We have a very special guest this evening who is going to... Uh, wow you with her intellect i mean i don't think that like i i feel this is the first time i've had to interview somebody that i'm like i i don't feel like i need to introduce her to people because she's she's kind of way more known than i am so <laughs> so this is gonna be fun man i'm excited i'm excited it looks like my screen is moving kind of slow right now but that's all right because we're gonna get through this and it's gonna be a great interview this is gonna be a great interview um yeah so just go ahead and share, share, share. Come on in. Come on in. We are here. I'm sharing on my page. We are live. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, I'm so excited about tonight's interview. I am so excited about tonight's interview. You know what I'm going to do? Because I want to make sure that it's right. I'm going to turn off my backdrop. Yep. Because I don't like the way that looks, and I don't like when it looks like my computer's freezing and my computer's frozen. But that's all right. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Give me one second. Of course, you would do this right now. Sunny, give me one second. Looks like my computer's doing some weird things right now. So give me one second, and then we can get started. This is going to be one of those nights. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, okay. All right, looks better already. Okay, you ready, uh, Miss Sunny? Let's do this, man. Let's let's do this. Sorry, I was sharing and then I stopped. Crypt. Here, scroll, 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 scroll. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are live. My special guest this evening is none other than Miss Sunny Johnson, and we are going to get started in just a second. I was going to give you guys some opportunities to share this out uh, while we're getting into it, and then I'll start the show. And then I will start the show. Um, where are you? All right. You know what? We're just going to roll. Let's do it. Thank you, everybody watching on Facebook. Thank you, everybody watching on YouTube. It's dope, dope, dope. Thank you, everybody who's following us from Twitter. Everybody, everywhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's start the show. Ch -ch 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 -ch. 
Hello world and welcome back to Real Talk with Rajan where nothing's off limits. You can be anywhere in the world but you are here with me and I appreciate that. I am your host Rajan Lewis. Now, here on Real Talk with Rajan, everything's debatable so on any given week we can be discussing anything from sports to music to politics. You name it, we'll discuss it. For those who are new to the show, Real Talk Rajan has a goal of shining a light on the great things that are happening right here in the, in the low country, but also abroad the, to the larger nation. And tonight, we have a very special guest, a young lady who really needs no introduction. Um, she's, you can find her on Breitbart. You can find her on Fox, not Fox, sorry. You can find her on Sirius Satellite Radio. You can find her on Twitter. You can find her everywhere that she needs to be. She is Miss Sunny Johnson of Sunny's Corner. Thank you so much for joining me, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the invite. All right, all right. So for those who, who the for the five people on earth who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself to the audience. Well, my name is Sunny Johnson. If you ask me what's most important to me, I'm a wife and I'm a mother. And um, those things are the most important things to me. And I host a little radio show on Sirius XM. Mm, okay. So where are you originally from? I was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Richmond, Virginia. And you current, are you, do you currently reside there or have you moved for, for your career? No, not for my career. I moved because I realized if I stayed, I was going to die. I was mm. not going to make it. I wasn't going to ever escape. And I did not have a future that looked particularly promising if I were to uh, stay in Richmond. So I left about 20 years ago and I moved to Northern Virginia and I found my husband and I've been here ever since. Okay. So you currently reside in Northern Virginia? Yes. All right. So my wife's, my wife's family is lives in Centerville. Do you know where that is? It's a bit away, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause it's like, it's like what 30, I think like 20, 30 minutes from Washington DC. That's, that's the reason I know where it's at, but it, it's a cool, it's a cool place. It's a nice little city. If you ever get a chance drive through Centerville, it's very, very nice. They have a, they have a, a laser tag place that we like to go to. So, <laughs> um, so, so what got you into, um, cause you work for Sirius Satellite Radio. So how, like, how did you go from, you know, leaving, you know, where you're from to ending up on Sirius, Sirius Satellite Radio? Um, so I, when I was young, I have Crohn's and I've had a lot of medical issues uh, my entire life. So I, I ended up having a lot of issues when I was around a teenager and pretty much doctors told me I would never, ever be able to have a child. Mm -hmm. And when I met my husband, I up and, and up until that point, like I didn't really want to have kids. So I was like, okay, that's cool with me. So what? And then I met my husband and I was like, I really want to have a child, but mm. you know, I was facing the, uh, the possibility of never being able to bring one into the world. And my husband just was like, no, we can do this. It's going to be okay. And we ended up, um, getting pregnant. And so the day that I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, my mother had a brain aneurysm. My mother uh, that raised me had a brain aneurysm and she died. And it was very hard on me because I didn't have a chance to mourn, you know, because they, I had just found out I was pregnant mm -hmm. and it was like very, very crucial that I was, that I take care of my own health. And so I had to put my mourning off so that I could, you know, have a healthy baby and kind of go through pregnancy without any problems. So once I um, had my daughter, 
and I gave myself a chance to mourn and to really grieve my mom, I was like, I can't make, I can't try to give my daughter so much in this world that I forget to give her the things that my mother gave to me. Like those mm. things that were important to me. That's so good. my mother made sure education was important. My mother made sure respect for your elders was important. My mother made sure a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was important. Yeah. So it's like those things that she wanted me to have and to grow. I knew they were inside of me, but I didn't know how to activate them. And okay. so I was like, how can I give these things to my daughter when at the moment I'm kind of broken? And I, you know what I'm saying? I'm kind of trying to piece my whole thing together and become a, a, a contributing member to society. Yeah. And, and that's just, you know, kind of how it happened. So I started a blog and my blog wasn't about politics. It wasn't about Democrats and Republicans, it was none of that. It was my basic belief that capitalism was going to be the catalyst that gets Black America out of the generational poverty tread that we were on. Mm -hmm. And I got it from like, you know, watching the cultural people that um, that we, you know, aspire to be in our youth. Yeah. And, I, and I saw them and then you see them making money on the like granular level of being in hip hop. And then you start kind of the diversification class where they started to spread out and not only go into movies and acting, but also into real estate, into branding, into um, stores and restaurants and clothing lines. And you started to see capitalism flourish for like all of these people. And I was like, I bet if we took that concept and put it in the middle of our communities, it would kind of do the same thing. So that's what my blog was about. So Republicans found me and they were like, oh my God, you're so, and I was like, I am not a Republican. I don't know what in the world you're talking about. You've lost your mind. And they were like, no. And they, so they kept posting my work and I was like, okay, let me go and study. So I spent uh, about five years really, really studying the subject and, and really knowing what positions mean and where people stand and why they stand there. And, um, and then Ferguson happened. And that was to me was the biggest disconnect where I was like, okay, this is what Republicans don't understand. This is what they don't get, what they don't see about black America. And that sense has been my purpose to break the stereotype and, uh, and the talking points that I put out by the conservative party about black America. And that's what my show on Sunday's Corner does. You muted, I can't hear you. Unprofessional. Sorry. So, so I, I want to start off there. First of all, like I, I want to, first of all, thank you for that great introduction. That, that was a great introduction to who you are. It's easy to tell that you, you do this. Um, so, so again, I, I am humbled by the fact that you're doing this. I said this before, before we went live, but um, I wanted to tell the story of how you ended up coming on the show because to me, that's really, it's really, really special to me. So uh, one night, uh, my homeboy, Shakim, I'm in my my guy, my guy, guy. No, yeah. Our grand my my grandma and his mom are actually best friends. So I've known of Shakim for a long time. We didn't actually become friends until we were much older. But um, but I was watching his his uh his uh channel one night, and this lady's on there, and she's talking like talking like stuff I have never heard anybody speak to. You know what's happening in America from a black perspective, but also from a perspective of 
everything that you're, you've been being told is a lie from the standpoint of why support certain things. And so I, I tuned in and I like time went by and I swear it was like two, three hours had passed. And I was like, this lady is amazing. So I, I, I reached out and I said, Shakim, please tell her I would love to interview her. And then you immediately got back to me and was like, yes, I will be on. So like the fact that you you're doing this means so much to me. And I want to say that to right now to you and to the rest of the world. Like, this is amazing to me. Um, you know why? And I think it's really important that we remember we're what we got. And so yes. this is what we're going to fight for. We're going to fight for the ability to lift each other up and to help each other grow and to help each other find success and to be able to sharing each other's joys as well as each other's tragedies. Like this is who we are at our core. And I would like to see more of us get back to this yes. so that we can, you know, we can just like, remember what's good about us before we even try to save the world yeah. or try to save anything else. We can repair a lot of the relationships we have amongst ourselves because of things that didn't even concern us that had nothing to do with us we mm. weren't even a fucking part of any i don't know if i could cuss but we weren't a part of, we weren't a part of any of this we didn't make any of these decisions we didn't yeah. like why should we be forced to play on their battlefield mm. especially when we're smarter especially yeah. when we're quicker especially when we know how to tactically maneuver better like yeah. like if you look at it from a standpoint of saying, okay, this is what was done to us. Okay, I can get with that. But my yeah. next question to you is, how do we strike back? So mm. if we know these things were done to us and we understand exactly how they did it, we understand exactly why they did it, then our next move is not to bitch moan and cry about it. Our next move is to, okay, let's re-engineer re re this. Mm -hmm. Let's get it out. Let's yeah. take it back and, and recapture what made us strong, made us economic beacons mm -hmm. after the Civil War era when we were fresh off the damn plantation. Yeah, we yeah. have it in our DNA to be the creators of greatness. And when we start to remind each other that that's the case and actually have each other's back mm -hmm. when the moment comes up, I think you're going to see a lot of the crab in the barrel mentality start to disappear because this just feels better. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. This just feels good to me. So I would rather be in this space any day of the week. So when I have the opportunity to talk to anybody that really wants to have open and honest dialogue, I'm down for it because we have to start healing ourselves. Absolutely. Foremost. And like, that's one of the central can, um, uh, tenets of conservatism is the mm -hmm. idea of the individual. So first and foremost, you heal the individual, and then we heal our and then we heal our individual relationships with each other mm -hmm. because those are going to be integral in anything we um, choose to do after that point. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about you know being a conservative because you said you're you're not a, a Republican but yeah. you're a conservative. Can, yeah. For those who don't understand what that means, can you please explain that to the audience? Well, okay. So so okay. The first step of conservatism is like i said the idea of the individual mm -hmm. so basically i i line that up with four kind of pillars and i think that um once you kind of know these pillars about yourself you have a good understanding of who you are 
as a person. And then therefore you can kind of figure out what you want to do next with your life. So I call it WHWD. So it's what would, in my case, hood, hip hop, he, and history. He, okay. not. And what would these things do? What would these things do to any situation? So I make sure God is first and foremost in the center of my life, but I don't argue about religion. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fight with you. It's more with me, a personal relationship where me and God try to maintain it with each other. And that's how I'm going to roll with it. So I don't pretty much like to argue on the basis of religion. I'll leave that to other people. But if you want to testify and pray with somebody, I'm a good person to call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next is hip hop. I, I That is my culture. I love it. it. It made me who I am. I would not be a conservative if it wasn't for Jay-Z, like mm. uh, when Jay said, your, your, my single, uh, your single was 99 cents, mine was four bucks. It was the first <laughs> time in my entire life that I stopped and waited. Like, wait a minute, why would, and, and you know, like you going into the record store, you're buying it and you know the difference that there's a difference in price. But what was the first time you asked yourself why? Mm. You know, and I was mm-hmm. like, that was the first time I asked myself, like, why? And then you start to think about things like, branding you start to think about supply and demand you start to think about quality of product all of those things are basically capitalism that's Mm. all it is Mm. and once you realize it in those terms then you know what i'm saying it's like what we have been inherently doing you know most of our lives or at least shooting for or trying to attain um so that's like a crux of who I am and what I do. And then uh, history is very, very, very important to me. You cannot know where you're going if you don't know where you've come from. And so it's very, very, very important that we understand in historical context, our history and how we got here. So when people are asking questions about say like systemic racism, you can have an honest dialogue about the truthfulness of that statement and its implementation and how it got here instead of just saying it doesn't exist because you don't have the historical knowledge to be able to stand in a you know grown-up conversation with people that don't have pineapple IQs. Yeah. Um so it was he, hood, hip hop. Hood, hood was the other one, is the last mm-hmm. one I missed. Mm-hmm. And that's your community, you know, because all the hood is is neighborhood. We just took the neighbor part off. So mm-hmm. if you put the neighbor back, it's just a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so what what did you learn from your neighborhood? Like, what did you get from the people that were around you and surrounding you? And I was not surrounded by pleasant people in my, mm-hmm. my growing, you know? I was around the drug dealers and the drug addicts and you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not the best. But every single one of them gave me something. Every single one of them tried to point me in the right direction when they saw I was doing wrong. Every single one of them tried to reason with me that there was something bigger and better in life that I could attain, even though they themselves could not get there. Mm -hmm. And so every single one of them is a part of who I am and why I am and the way that I function. So when you look at those things and if you have principles that fit into your culture, your community, your history, and your faith, and all of those things align, that's something I'm willing to stand and fight for. And to me, that's what conservatism means mm-hmm. at an individual level. Uh, okay. Right? Then okay. you go to a political level, which is completely different. 
Okay. All right. And if you if you have something on on the 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 Republican side of it, what what does that mean to you? About the Republican Party, it lies about its own history. Mm. And it's hard to have conversations with people who lie about their own history. So one of the things that I've had to push uh, to Republicans um, a lot is the episode in history of the Lily White Republicans because they don't talk about it and they don't discuss it. Mm -hmm. So the reason that they don't discuss it is because they can say, well, black people left the Republican Party. Mm. Black people left, you know. No, we we didn't fucking leave. You kicked us out. Yeah, so stop acting. But it, it lets them change the narrative. Like yes. we are the ones that walked away, and it's yeah. like, no, dude, we formed this party with you. Yes, we fought in a civil war with you. Mm-hmm. We changed the constitution with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then you kicked us out. So what is worse, the friend? that you've been through hell and back with that stabs you in your back or maybe the enemy you can work with. Mm. And that's what black America's choice was. And I can't say if I was born in that time period, what I would have done. I can't like, like I, I can't honestly say if you're looking at a Republican party that hates you and a Democrat party that hates you, you know, sort of like going back and trying to start back over in Africa. So I'm like, what, what, what would you do? You <laughs> not know? a lot of options. It's not a lot of options. Yeah. So I look back at historical figures with that lens of understanding that I had the hindsight to look back on them mm. and maybe see some of the mistakes that they made or things that they overlooked or different ways they could have navigated Mm -hmm. and take those things and bring it into the now. Mm -hmm. And you can't have that conversation with Republicans if they don't even understand what happened. So they don't even understand why it happened. And and then when you try to explain systemic racism to them, like their eyes gloss over and you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you knew anything, and this is one of the things that ticks me off, like about them being colorblind Uh and we're all Americans. Well, if we're all Americans, then you should notice history. Yeah. So why is it that you know all the history of Washington? You know all the history of Lincoln. You know all you know. But when it comes to, do you know the history uh, of a Booker T. Washington? Do you understand the uh, the flag changing over Tuskegee and what that meant towards the mm. WEB? So like, do you understand? You don't under. So why the hell are you talking about anything related to Black America right. if you don't even understand it? where these things started and what materialized behind them because you can't be honest about your own history. And, and that's where kind of the struggle is. But then if you look at it, you realize that they have had the same repetitive talking points over and over and over and over and over again. And they get it honestly, because the current class of black Republicans doesn't tell them the truth. You know, they just want to go along with them and they they meld together. They they yes. see and I don't see eye to eye with them. You know, there's yes. always friction with us because I'm like this don't, this don't feel right. This isn't yes. sitting right with me. Yes. And 
they don't like it a lot when you ask questions. I, so that's a perfect segue to where I wanted to go next. Today, you you spoke at the White House to President Trump um, and a group of other of I won't say other a group of Black Republicans and and uh, I I watched the the video and I just want to say I'm so glad you were in that room, um, because <laughs> uh, of the Black people that were in the room, you're the only person that actually spoke to the issues. Um, without it being huh, a compliment fest, if you will, um, you you literally try to give actionable items. So I want to talk about that from two standpoints. One, I want to ask. So, first of all, is that the first time you've spoken to the president? Yes. Okay. All right. So, okay. Oh, this is gonna be good. Okay. So, uh, so what was that like? Just to be in that moment and to be able to speak to the president, and then I'll go from there. I don't care. I speak on behalf of the black community, so I don't care who I'm sitting across. I will speak in a voice that I know and what I think to be true and real for my heart. And who is sitting across from me or beside me is never going to sway that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, so it was just another day in the office, which is great. Um, how did you feel listening to the other people who were speaking? I love the First Amendment and free speech. <laughs> That's how you felt. I, I, so I'll, 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 okay, so I'll, 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 I'll dig a little deeper myself. When I was listening to those gentlemen, and I use the term gentlemen because that's the term I use. I don't like call people names and stuff like that. Um, when I was listening to those gentlemen, I felt like they felt so honored to be there that they didn't want to blow their chance of being able to come back. So they said what they said. Um, I felt that when you went in there, you went in there like, I don't care if I'm invited back. I'm going to say what I need to say because it needs to be said. Um, and it needs to be said on this platform. Um, and I don't know the gentleman's names, but it just seemed like a whole lot of, and this is the problem. And, and when we talk about like black conservatism, we talk about black Republicans. I think a lot of black conservatives like yourself aren't seen because the people that we see are the people whose names I won't use because I don't give them a platform to, to, to be relevant in my, in my space. But the people who, who just feel the need to, to constantly compliment the president for everything that he's doing and to not identify the things that he's doing that he could improve on. They'll say, Oh, well, everything isn't perfect, but we can work on it. They, they'll, 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 they, but they won't say what the things are that the president actually needs to improve on. And like, what do you think about that part of it? I love the first amendment. <laughs> no, um, no, you you have to make a choice. Yeah. And I made my choice. And my choice is going to be my community. Yeah. And I'm going to advocate for my community. And there are great people on the left that are trying to bring reformation to the left. So, like mm -hmm. one of my favorite on the left is uh Tesla Fogaro. And I love her to death. And she is pushing real hard and advocating for Democratic, the Democratic Party to actually address Black issues in a more substantive way. And I want to be that on the right so that you have politicians fighting for your vote. Like you have the best ideas being presented because your vote is coveted. One of mm -hmm. the most things that is one of the most disgusting things to me is the people that get pleasure off of 
black disenfranchisement of voting, not because of something done by government, but because you feel like nothing is ever going to change. Mm. So if I vote, nothing is ever going to, it's still not going to change. Nothing yeah. is going to be different if I vote. So why should I vote? And people who have grown up in generational poverty, that is a legitimate question for them to ask. Mm -hmm. And we can't be so malice in our own ideology that we can't pause for a minute and be like, hold up, very relevant question. And think about what that means. Yeah. And if there is no choice at the local level, nothing is ever going to change. I mean, the only change you're really going to get is from it being bad to going worse yeah. because you're not, you're not given an option. There isn't given pull. There isn't a, a, a reaction to ideas on a battlefield where people are allowed to actually look at them and say, you know what, instead of giving government more power in this area, there is a community way that we can do it that cuts the system out. And therefore there's no systemic racism. Hmm. We can cut this, the entire system out of this and, and be able to function in a proper way that fits our community. But if every single response that is given to you is, okay, well, let the system solve this. If we hmm. give it another $5 billion, we'll let the system solve this. If we give it a, I thought you said the system was broken. How in the hell is feeding it billions and billions and billions of dollars going to change it and fix it? It's not. So what we need to do is offer another system. And I think that other system is conservatism. Mm. So with that being said, do you believe that President Trump is a conservative? I've never called him a conservative. That's 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 always my question about about, you know, even like the way that the Republican Party has really like rallied around him is like I felt like when Donald Trump came onto the scene as a Republican candidate and started claiming conservatism, that he was sort of hijacking the term conservative. No, conservatives um, are tired of Republicans. OK. And 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 everybody. Um, nobody understands that. And this is what I try to get conservatives to see. So. I ask conservatives, how many times have Republicans lied to you? Like, don't even, you worried about me in this situation, but let's look at you for a second. Mm -hmm. um, they told you that they were fiscally conservative. That was a lie. That was a lie. <laughs> yeah. They lied to you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, they told you that they were for border security. Mm. That was a lie because mm -hmm. as as they had the opportunity, they wouldn't vote on it and pass it. Yeah. They told you they were for immigration reform. That was a lie, lie because mm -hmm. they want as many immigrants coming across the border as Democrats do. So how many times do they lie to you? Mm. And if they lie to you that many times, why are you telling me to blindly trust them instead of holding them accountable for the lies that they've told to you? Because then maybe we could actually break up some of the old shit that we really don't need in its irrelevancy and create something new that actually falls under the tenets of conservatism, which mm. is the idea of the individual, the protection of the Constitution and the protection of the republic, which is mm. limited government closest to the people. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that answer for sure. I, I see some comments and I'm going to get to the comments. Thank you guys so much for watching. Um, this is Real Talk with Rajan. I'm your host, Rajan Lewis. And today um, we are interviewing uh, Miss Sunny Johnson, the host of Sunny's Corner on Sirius XM Radio. And we're definitely going to talk about when you can listen to her, her show um, because she is like probably one of the most brilliant people I've heard like in in one of the most refreshing voices I must say that I've heard on either side of the aisle anywhere um she speaks to things in a way especially when you talk about um African Americans in our nation that you don't hear a lot of people talking about especially a lot of the talking heads that get a lot of the limelight so I wanted to make sure that um that I brought her on to, to talk about that today so we have a question um from Miss Kimberly Franklin um, and I want to put it on the screen. It says, what can we do moving forward to repair the racial divide? Can it be healed? She says, I'm white and I'm asking. Um, yes. If like, if you listen to Sunny's Quarter, there's a lot of my callers and I have a mostly white audience on air. And we have very, very tough race conversations on my show. And one of the things that I say is, we're going to argue, not to say we're always going to agree. We're going to argue, we're going to go and we're going to butt heads and then we're going to come back and we're going to do it again next week. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the honesty is. The honesty is and you not taking everything so personal and holding on to it like it is like becomes a part of you and just saying, okay, I didn't win this argument this week. So let me come back from it at a different angle next week. And that's what I'll do. I'll come at it from, from a different analogy or I'll come at it from a different, um, a different way of, uh, of looking at either the Republic or looking at the constitution or looking at some historical fact that brings it into rele relevance or bringing in some kind of cultural knowledge where people are not aware. Like one of the things they say, we never talk about black on black crime. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you never listen to hip hop. <laughs> like you, you never listen to us because there's a, internal fight in the culture about kind of moving away from the drug materialism and yeah. you know that sector to more of group economics and the marathon continues nipsey yeah. Hussle style yeah. or jay-z with a four four four, 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 four yeah. you know what i'm saying so like there's a there's an actual conversation happening in hip-hop about what side of the culture should win and that has a lot to do with looking at ourselves and asking why are we why are we killing ourselves why are we killing our brothers just because they have a different color than we might have yeah. on why do we how you know how much pain do we have that we can see this and not like really freak out and yeah. and really become numb to it and so numb in a way that we don't fight for the things closest to us as mm -hmm. vehemently as we should. You know what I'm saying? And if you just look at, and I'm making a bigger context of it, yeah. but you know that internal fight in the culture is actually taking place. But if you're not immersed in the culture, if you're not soaked in the culture, then you don't know that. Yeah. And you speak out of the side of your ass when you talk about things that you don't know. And yeah. that's where you see a lot of, especially of Black Republicans, um, that that's where their disconnect is because rather than having the historical knowledge or having the policy knowledge or having the um the ability to think outside of a talking point they just regurgitate yes you know 
And one of the things that they regurgitate is that the culture created this. Mm. And I'm like, that is bullshit. The culture is trying to tell you what's going on. The culture is your guide to Black America without the gauze of liberalism, without mm. progressivism, without Democrats. They cut all of that shit out and let you and let you see behind the screen of what it actually looks like that, you know, what it actually looks like to grow up in some of these areas. And if you're saying that you can't listen to it because it's so violent, it, it is so, you know, whatever other adjective they want to say about us to, to demean and dehumanize, mm -hmm. um, then what the hell do you think it's like for us to live in it? Mm. And if you can't have no understanding of what it's like when you kick into survival mode, not thrive mode, not we're all America mode, not colorblind mode, but simply survive. Yeah. Mode, you know, and you know, if you don't understand it or have that connection, it's pretty hard. So one of the things that I always tell white people is like, talk to us. What is like the harm in talking to <laughs> us? Like you really believe the stereotypes, like you really believe the talking points. And they'll be like, well, I saw a black man and I went up to him and was like, you gotta get off the plant. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, wait a minute. You went to a grown ass man, insulted his character and his intelligence, and thought that somehow that was gonna spark an intelligent conversation. Mm. You really thought about that before you did that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, know, you didn't, you didn't think about it. You rushed right to what you knew felt, felt familiar to you mm. and you grasped onto it. And that's what the talking points are. That's what the stereotypes are. So it's like I said, that, that has become my mission to mm -hmm. break that and yeah. just decimate it as fully and completely as I possibly can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Again, just, again, Sunny Johnson, Sunny's Corner, Sirius XM Radio. My name is Rajan Lewis. This is a Real Talk Rajan. This episode is brought to you by Science to See. If you have any custom uh, design needs, please go to www.sciencetosee.com and use the custom code for this month, uh, Real Talk 2020. It's on the screen below. All right. Uh, moving on to the next question. So, Talking about everything that's going on in this country, you just touched on a very, uh, very uh, specific issue that's going on right now. We're talking about the protests. We talk about the George Floyd. We talk about the um, Ahmaud Arbery. We're talking about um, the Breonna Taylor situations. Um, from your perspective, how? Um, hmm. How, how do I want to ask this question? What do you think of the conservative response to what's happened um, in terms of the protests? That's what I'll ask. Yeah. Um, it's predictable. Okay. It's exactly what happened in Ferguson. Well, actually, 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 it's really not. Um, if you remember Ferguson, mm -hmm. they went batshit on yes. Ferguson. Yes. And Baltimore. And I was like, oh, you know, like you, you got to see people who, said they were beside me and, and, and you got to see them take their mask off and you're like, oh, okay, got you. And, and you know, it makes you reevaluate everything um, and everyone because you try to be fair, you try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but it's, it's only in times like that where you see the real of it 
come out, you know, their real uh, personality present itself. But this time I will say that there is a larger portion of white conservatives, not necessarily white Republicans, but a larger portion of uh, white conservatives who are like, yo, that's fucked up. And yeah. that, like, that's un that's unjustifiable. Like, like, like you, you, you see them. And to me, it was shocking. Cause I was like, Whoa, you know, like I, I got excited for a second. I was like, wait a minute. Like maybe we have a chance to actually have some of these conversations. That yes. And everything was going good until. Some people. Some people <laughs> decided that they had to be the center of attention yeah. instead of having morality. Yeah. Instead of having human decency, instead of having a heart for your community above yourself, mm. you know what I'm saying? Some yeah. people just went the other way. And that kind of made everything start to snowball. And so then when Breonna Taylor happened, it was like, okay, they can't do this to Breonna Taylor. You think they can? They oh, absolutely yes. can. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? So you go from Ahmad, and they were calling Ahmad a criminal, and they were like, and these are not the white people. The yeah. white people were like, that's fucked up. No, yeah. not vigilante. You can't do that. And yeah. Just, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. Okay, you cannot. You can't, right? Now, with the stuff coming out about what the McMichaels did over that man's body mm. and how they spoke, you, yeah. you hear any of those same people come back and issue kind of apologies for the vitriolic bullshit they let out their mouths? Not Nothing. one of them. And they're just, they're disgusting. You know what I'm saying? They're disgusting. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Brianna and they're like, they're trying to dump shit on her. And I'm yep. like, how? How? And then you see George Floyd. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, no, no way. <laughs> no, they wouldn't, right? <laughs> you think. And just the most disgusting. You know what? Rather than do that, let me do this. I thank God for all the George Floyds that were in my life. Mm, I thank yeah. God for every single one that did not live perfect lives, but gave their wisdom to me yeah. and showed me I was of value and protected me in places and times and places where I was doing shit I had no business doing. Indeed. I am grateful for every single George Floyd that helped to raise me into who I am. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, I will give them flowers rather than talking about the others. Absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely the right approach to it. Um, I, so as far as, so we have a question. I got uh, James, Mr. Mr. James St. Legger. I, I apologize if I mispronounce your name, sir. It says, I love Sonny. It says, do you agree that there are outside agitators starting the violence amongst the protesters, um, i.e., uh, Antifa, white liberals, and white nationalists. So, okay, let's take this again because we can't look at this in just a vacuum. We have to understand the totality of it. So, mm -hmm. again, when Ferguson popped off um, and Black Lives Matter, the movement 
the national George Soros movement mm -hmm. popped off. Um, I I was like I was petrified for what's gonna what was gonna happen to, uh, yeah. to Black America, yeah. and then Black men started to talk amongst themselves. Lord Dubar was one of my favorite during that period. Mm -hmm. um, started to really talk amongst themselves about like go to the website. We are not even mentioned. It doesn't have us on there. It's not about us. It doesn't represent us. And you got and you start to see a lot of the Black men pull back. Yeah. Um, Black Lives Matter. And by the time like they got to New York, it was like an all white protest. And like, mm -hmm. you had, like maybe the first three lines were black people and then like yeah. all rest of it yeah. was white people. And that's when they started talking pigs in a blanket from like, I'm like, yo, those are the white people. Like why, yeah. how, you didn't hear any of that till you got to this point. Yeah. What's the difference between now and then? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so so that was one of the points that you brought up on the live with Shaquem that made me, when it when everything happened in Charleston, that was exactly what I thought about. I remember looking at those protests and being like, huh. Hmm. So the daytime, it's mostly black people in, in involved in the daytime protests. And then it, like the closer and closer you get to night, you see these other elements start to creep in. Now, do I say they're Antifa? Maybe not. I mean, I don't, I don't know. No, but they are. Some of them it are. Is. Okay. And they're they're multiple groups because think about it in terms of like the last 60 years as like the civil rights era, mm -hmm. right? Or the aftermath of the civil rights era. Right. You have the civil rights era and then you have like the ruling time period of yeah. the civil rights era. Yeah. And um that's coming to an end. Like that's ending because mm -hmm. it's been ineffective, it hasn't brought any real change, and Black America is just as angry as as we were back then. You know, what I'm saying? you you've done nothing, you've changed nothing, you fixed nothing. True. And I think that you're seeing that era kind of come to an end. So that's one of the things that I was like yelling at the right when Ferguson popped off, when Baltimore popped off, when Milwaukee popped off. In each case, you could go back and see that there was legitimate re reason for their grievances. Mm -hmm. So, like in Ferguson. It was the mayor's office using the police as a taxation force. Mm -hmm. They were forcing interactions. Yes. So like when black people said, we feel like we're being over policed, they were because yeah. they were being policed for their revenue, you know, and that is not how government should operate. If yeah. you want to tax the people, tax the people outright. Don't try to hide the tax by using the police force, yeah. which is what they did. That is a legitimate grievance. Never got looked at and officially handled coming out of Ferguson. Hmm. Um, then if you look at Baltimore, because it went from Ferguson to Baltimore, if you look at Baltimore, uh, they had to dismantle an entire police unit in Baltimore because of the illegality that was going on within the department. So like they were, they were carrying around toy guns to put in cars in case they had to cover for themselves some shit that they did. They were pulling, they were um driving up on kids with backpacks. So like your sin was being black with the backpack. And mm -hmm. they would like literally drive up on you real fast and make, you know, the kid would look, see the car driving up on you real fast. What would he do? He would run. As yeah. soon as he runs, now they have you for evading and they can stop you and check you in and basically harass you. Wow. So like all of these things were proven 
about like and like not only that they were taking the drugs that they were getting from drug dealers and then they were shipping it to other american citizens cities mm -hmm. causing problems with in other cities from the wow. drugs that we were taking off the streets in baltimore mm -hmm. and it was like so bad that the um that the state uh judge had to she came down off the bench and stood in front of a group of black men, all who had cases completely dismissed because they were brought by this police unit. And the ultimate level of um, just corruption was exposed. And she had to apologize for them and how much of their life was taken away and how much um, like they had to deal with and, and, and really be stressed out about for things where they were perfectly innocent. Mm. And like, that is a legitimate grievance. It is. I think it is. They have a damn, a, a very, very good right to say that there is something very, very wrong with this situation. Yeah. And 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 then the same thing with Milwaukee and the amount of prisoners that were dying behind behind bars up in Milwaukee. True. Like these are legitimate grievances. But when you can only look at it through the lens of race instead of humanity and saying yes, that just because this race has a problem it's still a human problem then like what are we even talking about here because mm -hmm. you're not solving any other issues you're leaving them there to fester and this is what goes to the groups um black lives matter the national organization i think it is is is, is terrible and it is not for us it is mm -hmm. not for us it has nothing to do with us and i think we need to be very very aware of it but okay the Black Lives Matter groups on the ground, mm -hmm. okay? The people that are on the ground, the grassroots activists that are mm -hmm. actually participating in their communities, the ones that are actually holding local politicians uh, accountable, the ones that are actually trying to get policy pushed through place, uh, pushed into place, those people, they're good people. Yeah. They're the people that actually want change in our communities. Those are the people that actually want something real. And instead of listening to them, they were ignored. And they were ignored by Democrats because Democrats became Trump deranged syndrome and mm -hmm. Russia, and they couldn't get, you know, they were all focused on that. Yeah. They wasn't listening to Black Lives Matter. Right. And of course, the right, the right was ridiculing them and belittling them. But they were the ones that were on the ground actually doing the work. Yeah. But you are building an organ. The right builds organizations that tells people to leave their homes. These people are building organizations that say, no, let's build our homes. Yeah. You're going to tell me to listen to the ones that tell me to cut and run as mm. opposed to the ones that's like, we will stay and fight. Mm. No, I'm going to take the we will stay and fight every day of the week. But yeah. nobody listened to them. And I was. I can't reach out to them because of who I am and what, what I can, and I have some connections, mm -hmm. but we don't politicize them because I want them to be able to operate without having to deal with the bullshit that I haven't broken yet. I can't, Absolutely. you know, so I don't want to, that to affect the actual work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they're doing really good, beneficial, substantial work Absolutely. on the ground to improve their communities. And they should be applauded for that. And um, they, the socialists, Antifa, and the anarchists, they have all been paying a lot of attention to Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. for the last three years. Absolutely. They have been showing up. They've been showing up at their rallies. They've been showing up at their festivals. They're showing up at hip hop conventions. They are making themselves a presence 
and black America. And like, I have literally been warning the right about this for, for four years. I've been warning since Ferguson, since mm -hmm. Ferguson popped off. Then when I started to see the scope of everything, I was like, oh no, I see what's coming. I see what's shaping. And then as I started to see the socialists were um, sponsoring Black Lives Matter forums. And I mm -hmm. was like, oh, really? Now, now they're, in, they're investing yeah. into them. Yeah. They're, they're reaping into them. You know what I'm saying? They're sowing into them. And what do you think is going to happen? But their numbers to grow and to swell amongst our ranks, especially yeah. when they're not being challenged. So it, it, it's a very, very, very real thing. And I think that they're using a lot of the anger that is maybe that is justifiable in a lot of cases. They're using that anger to push their motives yes. and their motives are not in the best interest for the black community. And if you look at the communities that are burnt and destroyed at this point, you can see that in the long run, they are not looking out for the best interest. They are not going to have to live there. They're going to go back to their homes uh, and their gated communities and they're going to live well. And we're going to, and we're going to be left with the aftermath of everything that they deemed um, righteous at the time. And yeah. it's a disgusting cycle, but if nobody addresses these issues, this isn't going to be the last one. Yeah. And the next one is going to be even worse. So I think, think it would behoove us all to actually solve some of these problems before the very, very fabric of our country is ripped apart and unable to be repaired. Absolutely. Thank you. Again, such an insightful answer. Um, just, just it, it, you lead me right where I want to go. So thank you so much. We're going to keep rolling. So talking about actionable um, items, you know, recently people started talking, the, the, the new topic of discussion is police reform, um, which police reform is something we've been talking about for a very long time. That's not a new topic, by the way. But um, the, the idea of defunding the police. Uh, yesterday, I made a video talking about what it looks like to defund the police. I think there's two different terms that are going around that are completely opposite of one another. One is to defund the police and one is to dismantle the police. I am completely opposed to dismantling the police because um, if somebody tried to break into my house, I want to be able to call the police. That's important to me. But I think defunding the police in by in terms of looking at the, the the budget of the police department and identifying how much of that money that is being spent is not really justifiable and can be redirected to community programs and, and things that can help us to, to uh, build our, our, our communities via community, um, sorry, via youth um, empowerment um, opportunities, or as well as I'm um, like investing in the arts and, and recreational facilities, things like that. Um, what are your thoughts around this conversation of defunding the police, not dismantling, but defunding? Okay, so I would say this because the way I look at it, you're going, you're doing it wrong. You're going okay. in the wrong direction. You're starting with the police. And that's where that's not where you should be starting. To mm -hmm. me, let's start with the ideology. Okay. So in most of our cities, they're run by Democrats. Most of the Democrats have a progressive ideology to them. If you understand progressivism, Progressivism first answer to everything is to create a law. Is to create mm -hmm. a law. Okay. Okay. It is to create a law. So you have a problem, let's create a law. You have a problem, let's create a new 
arm of government. You know what I'm saying? You have a problem. Let's create something or, you know, and everything just stacks on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And now think about all of the things that they have as just laws of the books. So one of the funniest things I remember from my teenage years was one of my friends got a ticket, a $25 ticket for riding the bike the wrong way down a one-way street. Mm. And you think like, that's stupid, but think about how many times they nitpick us at our wallets with every single one of these laws yeah. or every single one of these uh, new fees when you look at your phone bill and you're like, what the hell is that? What yeah. does that go to? And you don't even know where it comes from. And it's because some body of legislator uh, of the legislators say, huh, let's go ahead and tack a, uh, tack a tax onto this. And then it just appears up mm -hmm. on your bill and you have to pay it. And you're like, what the hell happened? Like just in so many different caliber ways, they nickel and dime us into these massive government spending projects. Mm -hmm. And then they say, okay, it's not working. So let's pass a law to punish the people that it didn't work for. You know what I'm saying? So it becomes mm -hmm. like this repetitive cycle. And yeah. me and my husband were talking about it like the other day, right? So do you remember like, if you look at the story of, do you remember like the woman who worked at McDonald's, the black woman, she worked at McDonald's and she took her daughter with her to work one day. And her daughter okay. was out in the little restaurant, John sitting down at the thing, coloring. And somebody called the police on her because she brought her kid to work for her. And she was arrested and the kid was sent to uh, Child Protective. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, okay, that story says we need to pay for child care. What, where, where the hell was the law? <laughs> well, you not even talk about the fucking law? Right, right. And then you're going to take the kid away and then you're going to, like, shouldn't we start with the law before yeah. you immediately go to how much money we could spend? And if yeah. you look at just the sheer amount of presence government has because of the laws they have on the books and the ability they have to say not charge other people with those laws but fuck with us when they find it necessary with mm. those exact same laws. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it mm -hmm. becomes selective as to when you apply the law, even though the law is on the book. Yeah. And you see a lot of that in the criminal justice system yes. as far as which cases lawyers like to bring up in certain aspects because of what they're trying to get across. Yes. You know, so everything is used in terms of manipulation and everything is is used in terms of playing into the system instead of us just pulling back and saying hey wait a minute this whole fucking system is just fucking stupid like if you didn't fuck with the lady in the first place then by the time she got her check at the end of the week she could have squared things up she yeah. got you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. now look how bad of a situation she is because you were in such a rush to help her mm. You know, and no Republican is going to pass that dumbass law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you say it and like, well, they don't treat white people like no Republicans would have never passed that dumbass law. 
Yeah. And that's what you need to start understanding. If you want the dumbass laws off the books, then that's that should be something that you start to shoot for. And as you get those laws pulled off the books, guess what? You stop having as much interaction with the police and the public. Because mm. now they don't have a million and one reasons to fuck with you over small shit that ain't their business. True. And now you get more to a balance of what looks like liberty instead of having a progressive cop's boot on your neck. Yeah. Because the cop can only do what the law allows him to do. So if you give him a million and one laws to choose from, he can pick one of them million and one laws to fuck with you. Yeah. But if you give him a set of say 10 that he got to stay within, then it becomes a whole different avenue with how you respond and interact with law enforcement. Mm. And then you don't have to defund the police because it shrinks itself. Then you can decide about where you want those funds allocated. But again, if you're going to do that, make sure you're sitting on a city council, make sure you have advocates within your mayor's office, make sure you are aware of what is happening. So these people aren't siphoning that money into their friends and their families. Right. Because, like you want to say, okay, we're going to use this for childcare. Or, or to improve childcare system. Do you remember when grandparents used to watch kids? Mm -hmm. Right. And so grandparents will watch your kids. Grandparents would charge you $50. Whereas you go to put them in daycare, it's 125. So yeah. you got a huge discount on what you had to pay. Your kids are with grandma being raised properly. You know what I'm saying? It, it was a system that helped us maintain our fam family unit mm -hmm. and to keep us raising our own children within our circles, right? So government comes along and says, no, you can't do that anymore because you don't have the uh, right number of bathrooms or you don't have this or that or this. Yeah. They come in and pass all of these laws and all of these regulations that makes it impossible for grandma to be like the daycare provider for your kids. Yeah. Well, grandma, grandma doesn't have that extra funding that she was getting from babysitting that helps her stay above poverty when she's on social security mm -hmm. and your kids are being raised by complete strangers and you don't know when they plucking them upside the head thank god my husband allowed me the ability to be a stay-at-home mom and actually raise my kid it mm -hmm. was that's you know the best gift he could have ever gave me uh, but you're sending them to these places where they're plucking your kids upside the head or teaching them non-binary nonsense that you should not be plugging into the mind of a three or a four-year-old. Mm. And like all of these problems were created by government. And now government is moving into saying things like, okay, well, if you're going to work at a daycare center, then you have to have a college degree to work in a day daycare center. center. <laughs> so what does that mean now? Now the price of daycare is going to even rise even more. Yeah. But that's okay, because guess what? We can make a program that'll pay for it. <laughs> you you talking. You talking. How about <laughs> you shut up and let grandma raise the kids? Yeah. And then you'll have a better stock of kids coming into elementary school because grandma didn't taught them respect for their elders and grandma didn't taught them what it means to be a representative of this family and to carry our legacy and our weight on your shoulder as a, represent a representation to the world about who we are and where we're going. Like, you got kids coming into school with a whole different attitude because grandma gave it to them instead of 
some daycare center that don't give a damn. Mm. So, like, if you want to start looking at things and why our communities start to disintegrate, maybe we start looking at the laws that are put okay. in place and the the solutions they gave us that did not work, that failed miserably, and getting those off of the books. Mm. And then maybe you'll realize that, hey, as Black people, we could do this shit without them. Yeah. And I think that that is their worst fear is the moment we get back to realizing that we can build complete cohesive relationships and we don't need government in every fucking step. In fact, when government is in every step, that's where you get the systemic racism. That's where you get the abuses. That's where you get the corruption. And I just believe that the more we can pull that back to ourselves, mm -hmm. the better we'll be as communities. And what's the same where they're like, they never want to give us what they give white people. That is what white people have. So they're not going to give it to you Mm -hmm. or we can take it away. Mm. And if we get into that mindset of not asking for more because we want them around us, but taking away the power that they have so we can run shit ourselves, I think we'll find ourselves in a much better position in the future. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. Like that perspective on, on that topic was like spot on, spot on. Um, You know, I have aspirations myself of one day serving in public office. And, you know, I always talk about the fact that we, there are so many laws that were created with, <laughs> with the stamp, with, with the, the, with the implicit uh, purpose of holding back African-American people. Rather it's, it, it doesn't have to say. It's not about holding black people back. Okay. It's about behavioral moderation. Okay. I want to change the behavior. See, this is the thing. They're they're in a mindset of look at all that we've given you. Why aren't you happy? That's what Democrats are, you know. And Republicans, they're like, "Well, fuck you." But Democrats are like, "Look at all we've given you. Why aren't you happy?" Why aren't you happy? And we're like, "You gave us public housing. You gave us shitty schools. You gave us like, what the fuck are we? What do we have to be happy about?" Yeah. And, and that's where you see them coming from. They're like, okay, so what can we do to make you happier? Like, no, don't ask me, what can you bring to my slave quarters to make it better? Like, mm. go back to kind of the Willie Lynch idea, idea yeah. is that they want to they want, they want make you comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can come to them and ask them for provisions to keep you comfortable and you don't realize you're living in a shit shack. Like that's not how we want to be anymore. We want to move into a place where we're like, we don't want our comfort defined by what you give us in government subsidy. We can design our own layer of comfort and each one will be different because every single community is different and it has different goals and it has different outcomes that it would like to achieve. Where in some areas you might want to see development where they want, you know, old projects to be torn down, new affordable housing to put to be put up so you can change the entire atmosphere of a community. And in some areas they might not want development because they like having more space and a yard and you know what I'm saying? So every single community is not going to have the exact same answer to how they are going to look 
post, you know, renaissance and rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of everything that we that we are. It's that we have a chance to have little pop in uh, New Orleans and Atlanta pop in. And we could go check, you know what I'm saying? And each pocket should feel authentic to the black people that live there. Mm. That's a monolithic view that all of them should be the same or the exact same policies from the federal government is going to somehow like make everything equal. Everything is never going to be equal because most people don't want it to be. Like if you decide right. you want a quiet life where you bought your house and now you just chilling and that's all you want, that's all you want. But if you want to be Cardi B and go and take over the world and see how many zeros you can actually rack up, then there's going to be a difference in, you know, in equality, not equality, a difference in equity mm -hmm. um, because of what you aspire to be. So mm -hmm. if you aspire to be the multimillionaire, Great. If you aspire to be uh, the the street artist that 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 struggles to prove whatever it is, that's great too. That, mm -hmm. That's America for you. But you can't then cry about the equity in the arrangement when you were never shooting for that equity in the first place. Right. Okay. All right. All right, cool. I, so I have a question um, in regard to I, I was I was um, asked to come to a town hall, um, a small town hall, you know, for the mayor of our city. He he wanted to have some African Americans and I guess other diverse population people come in uh, in response to what was happening with the the um, the protests and the riots and things of that nature. And they were having this, they, I guess they brought us in to talk about, you know, ways to move forward as a community and you know how that works. And um, I, what I heard was a lot of black people trying to tell the story of how racism has impacted them. Um, do you think that sometimes our emotion, our emotional response to things is why we don't get forward more as opposed to looking at what um actionable items can be can be can take place to, to, to move the agenda forward this is why people call me like auntie sunny you know you know that auntie that grabs you at at, at the cookout and like look uh-uh me you need to talk yeah that, that's where I, that's that's where i am in that moment so go ahead and, and tell me about your experience let me let me empathize with you. Let me feel your pain. Let me let me do all of that with you. But after it's over, what are we going to build? Mm. What how are we going to grow? What are we going to do? And if you can't move past your pain to bring something beautiful out of it, then that's a different conversation where you need to maybe go talk to someone who's a little bit more qualified to yeah. maybe help you get to a place where you're feeling better and you're feeling in growth and you're feeling, but like to stay in that place. Like, I don't, I don't know that that's not how I was raised. Like mm. that's not who I am, you know, like, you get knocked down, you get your feelings hurt. My mom was like, okay, come on, you gonna go to her house and you gonna handle this, you know, again. 
You know, like it, that's how it was to me. It was always, okay, you got knocked down. Now you go get up and you go go and do it again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's just the core of what was built into me. So yes, I can look back and I have a doozy of a life. You know what I'm saying? Where I could tell you a lot of that, but I could look back on it and say, if I didn't have every single one of those experiences, that I could not be the fighter that I am today. So take that experience and figure out a way to fight with it mm. and, and to be a demonstration of what you think all of those people didn't get to experience. So it's shame on you for not knowing Sonny. It ain't shame on me. You ain't gotta like me cause you know, I like myself, but mm -hmm. it's your loss. Yeah. Now you missed the chance to have a fire conversation. You missed the chance to get historical context you would have never got from anybody else. You missed the chance to have an ally, an ally on your side that's one hell of a fighter and somebody you want to be your friend as opposed to your enemy. You mm -hmm. gave all that up. So what the hell am I supposed to do crying about it? No, I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to you and me and you will build something. And yeah. then I'm going to go and I'm going to check on Sharkim in a minute and me and him going to do something. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to build with the people that love me. And I'm going to make sure that every single bit of light that I have, I share back on to those people. And if you choose not to be one of those people, then sit back and watch me work because you damn sure can't stop me. And mm. I think as long as that's our motive going in and our understanding of going in, it isn't to disqualify racism or to say it doesn't exist, but can we beat it? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and as long as that's our motives going in, then I'm not going to be sitting and talking about white supremacy because there's nothing superior about it, especially mm -hmm. when we get into an ideological conversation like you can't beat me. Why the hell would I give you that respect? I'll be mm -hmm. damn. I, I'll, I'll destroy your ego before I, before I go and, and, and reference you in that way. And I think that we just need to remember we're the fighters, you know what I'm saying? And that's what we do. So yes, we need to take time for our own self-healing. And yes, we need to be reflective and understanding when people's masks come off that we see them clearly, but we shouldn't sit there and soak our ideas, our Next move should always be, okay, now how can I fight this? And for the people that want to fight it, then come on, let's go. But if you want to just sit and soak in it and, and hope that it comes and pat you on your head, I don't have no time for that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, man. I want to I, I wanna start to wrap up. Um, I want to ask you some quick hit, quick hit questions um, just to, you know, get get just to get a little more about the, you know, personal, Sunny. I want to start by saying just th thank again. I, I can't say it enough. This is dope. Um, I, 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 okay. So I'll just do my questions and then I'll, and then we'll do the rap thing and that whole thing. So last book you read, mm -hmm. what was the last book you read? Oh my God. The last book I read was, uh, coming home, the Republicans. Oh my God. It was this God awful book by this black Republican. And it was completely filled with fanciful nonsense. And like, it, it literally had fire shooting out of my fucking ears. I was like looking for it because I thought I had it on my um had it on my desk a, a few minutes ago because I was trying to clean up a little bit. Uh -huh. Oh my god, it was the worst. It was the worst. Um, I don't know. It's called going home. Uh, Republicans going home. 
black people returned to the Republican Party or something. Oh, wow. It was it was really, really, really sick. It was okay. a sick, sick book. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite album to listen to? Depending on my mood. So right now I would say I'm really into my son and everything that he does. Uh, I think he's a, a, a excellent artist. And I also think he's a voice for the times. Mm, okay. Uh, guilty pleasure. Love and hip hop Atlanta and New York. Oh, okay. Okay. I can see that. All right. Perfect day. What's a perfect day for you? My husband and my daughter. Nice. Favorite snack. Snack. Um, dependent. I'm not a snacker. Um, like I said, I have Crohn's, so I'm really, really selective uh, uh, sure. about what I can eat. But if I get the chance, I'm like, I love crab legs and potato salad together. Okay, that's, right. my, that's my shot when I'm like, I, I want something. It's crab legs and potato salad. Okay, crab legs. I've, I've never heard those together, but I, I like love it. it. It's my pleasure. It's my. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it because you it's suggested it. I, I absolutely love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it and then I'm gonna take a picture and put it on Twitter and then tag you in and, it. And and Thanksgiving, the 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 yeah. middle of the plate with the greens and the yeah. and the mac and cheese and ham's and all of that stuff, just meat at the yeah. middle, and you get that one bite where you get that little of everything. Yeah. That that that's you, that's my you talking right. Pleasure. You talking right. <laughs> that's my full pleasure right there. Uh, I think I had one more. Oh, what is the thing that you do too much? The thing that I do too much, probably think mm. and reconfigure arguments. And I hate to be wrong. I don't like to speak on things that I'm not sure that I mean. So it's very, very important to me that every single argument is well thought out, is well contextualized, that I can back it up in all four of my pillars. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, it's just really important to me. I don't like apologizing. And I don't like having to say that I'm sorry, and especially when it comes to the work product. So I try to make sure that I am as thorough as possible in putting out quality content, truthful content, and passionate content. So I never yeah. have to apologize. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I got some comments I want to make sure I read. Um just because I, I don't want people to feel like they're they're making comments and they're not they're not being read. Uh let's see. Um Colleen Fallon. Colleen Fallon, I guess it's Fallon. Uh, she said, there are rumors that George Floyd and the police officer knew each other personally from their security work. Is that true? And if so, do you think that the attack on Mr. Floyd was personal or motivated by race? Also, would that sorry excuse for a human cop have behaved the same way had George been a different race? Maybe he would have no better, um, maybe he would have no matter the perpetrator's skin color. Sorry if I sound like a dummy and a complete ignorant. Good news is, is that I'm teachable. I the one of the things that really bothers me is like when you target one case, like it just happens out yeah. of the blue, out of the ether. And I think that like that's where a lot of Republicans and conservatives always find themselves is that they get stuck coming mm -hmm. um just this one incident. Why is this one incident? And I'm like, yo, just no, it's not it's one not incident, one. <laughs> it's the accumulation of everything piling on top of each other and never being um never being properly dealt with. And if we fixate on one case, we miss the opportunity to solve the bigger picture. Mm. So I like to always stay in the bigger picture. Plus I don't like feeling like I'm exploiting tragedy yeah. 
for conversation. Absolutely. Especially if I can focus the conversation without the tragedy and just let George Floyd's family know that we are praying for them, that we have them in our hearts and that we cried when we saw that we, we felt that with them. And I would just leave that out in the ether that to fixate on a specific case, but to not let the spark the case cause diminish without some kind of real actionable change coming behind it. So I, I would much, much rather just, if you notice, it's like, Everything that or the media wants us to participate in, we have the option to not. Right. And and that's where we have to start choosing. We have to start choosing to not. Yeah. And th that doesn't mean we don't mourn and it doesn't mean we don't, but we do not have to participate in the constant back and forth of it. We can say, okay, what is the idea behind this? And let's focus on that idea and bring that idea to some fruition. Because in all honesty, that's the greatest gift that we could give to um to those that we've lost is if we actually change something. Mm. And, I, and I think that if we set ourselves into that model instead of just sticking on a specific case, then we would get a lot more accomplished. And that's kind of what I like to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Stephen Dish 8179 on YouTube. Thank you for watching, Stephen. Uh, says, can more black Republicans get elected to Congress to change the Democrats narrative? Republicans need reformation amongst themselves before they worry about taking on Democrats. <laughs> Love it. Uh, let's see. Da -da -da -da. I'm gonna skip that. I'm gonna skip this. Uh, there, a lot of, uh, you're speaking truth. A lot of people agree with you. I haven't had anybody disagree with you, but I don't know how you disagree with the truth. So I was, I was, I'm good with that. Um, let's see. Da -da 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 -da. They were talking about the equal application under the law. Um, be sure that the constitution is applied equally across the board. I think that's very important. I, that, I think that's the biggest issue when we talk that's about. My motto. Yes. My motto yeah. is servicism equally applied. So oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah, that, that's my motto. So everything in the Constitution, every idea in the Republic, and every uh, respectable idea in individuality, all of it should be equally applied. Okay, I love it. Uh, I got a student special one. Uh, Mr. Cedric Tolliver, um, shout out to Cedric. Um, you, you said you saw the pictures of my, my daughter um, at her graduation. So Cedric is the father of my daughter's boyfriend, little Cedric. And uh, they they were the ones they were in the pictures with us. together. Yes, oh, so beautiful. Congratulations to your son as well, Cedric. Yes, me geeking out, smiling at your pictures. I love <laughs> it. I love it when you can when you share joy and like I said, we can celebrate each other. I think that we just we need more of that. And so to both of you, I I, I really did get a very very huge smile out of watching the joy of y'all graduating children's oh uh, thank you they, they are yeah I'm so 15, so i have two more years and she and she's going to be graduating, yeah so. yeah that's that's 15 yeah that so have you hit the have, have you hit the hard years yet or is it is it still cool i'm i'm really blessed Okay. I'm really, really blessed. I have an amazing daughter. The only thing is she's a lot like her mother. So mm. the mouth. Yes. You know? But yes. I encouraged it. So now I can't punish her for now it. You're <laughs> yeah. But we're fighting, we're we're working on tact. Yeah. And learning when it's appropriate and when it's not. So there are times when we are jonesing and, and, you know, we're having fun where I let some things slide. But you know that look on my face when I'm not playing with you. And right. you learn in that moment not to play with me because 
it's not going to end up pretty for you. So <laughs> we're just learning, we're learning that tact and how to kind of read a room and a situation uh -huh. and know that before you respond. So we're in that phase of it, but uh, she's really, really awesome. Really, really uh -huh. smart, really compassionate, really, um, nothing like me at her age. So I, I think I did a good job of yeah. that. Um, and yeah, I'm just so blessed uh, to have her. She's amazing. Yeah, that's 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 dope. My my kids, my we have five, and like each one is so different. So like I can't do one. The, what what works with one does not work with the others. So you have to really know them to figure out. And my 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 Vari girl, she's 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 special. And we have our days which are really great, and then we have some days where it's like I walk in the room and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna walk back out now. It's <laughs> gonna, gonna, gonna go. It's all right. But I'm very proud of her. She's headed to um, Clemson in the fall, and uh, so is her boyfriend. And they're they're amazing kids, and I I, I wish them all the best of luck because they're my children, and I love my children. Well, tell them congratulations for me as well, and I can't wait to see them shine into the future. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Kimberly Franklin says. Um, I hope you establish a line of contact uh, with the president and Bill Car Ben Carson uh, in the future. I hope the president really heard you. Do you feel? Did you feel heard today? I didn't ask you that. Um, we'll see. Okay. Um, the way I've learned is that everything travels through a cycle. Mm. You know what I'm saying, and you have to let the cycle run its course. And in all of this, like on a normal night like this, I wouldn't have done any social media. I wouldn't have done any interviews, but I had already, like I'd already scheduled with you before yeah. I knew I was going to the White House. And so mm -hmm. I was not gonna um, break my, um, break my uh, interview with you, even though, but on a normal day, I wouldn't have been doing any social media or anything after mm -hmm. one of these events, because you really need to pull back yeah. and to wait and to see, because I've learned that you never really know what's going to be under the mask when they pull it off. Yeah. So sometimes it's better to just shh and watch. And I True. think that that's the moment. That's kind of where I'm at, where I am right now is just to shh and watch. Okay, and, and we'll see uh, what materializes afterwards. All and right, thing. So okay, well, I, I, I when I so I was getting ready for tonight's show, and I'm sitting at my computer, and then Shakim, like, I posted a picture, and Shakim was like, "Sunny was at the White House today." I was like, "What?" So he sends me the link, so I start watching a video. I'm like, "Oh, we got to talk about this." But like the fact that you still kept this, like, even after something, which. For a lot of people, that's like a monument, like it's a monumental thing, you know, and you still came in. It just speaks to the, the heart of the person. And I just, again, I, I thank you so much. Uh, let's see. Betsy Cook. Um, Betsy Cook says, when my husband, oh, sorry, no, Mike McKay first. Mike McKay says, as a member of the Maryland legislature, I appreciate Sonny's education each week. Conservative principles first. Thank you. So apparently you got a, you got a fan in the Maryland legislature. Yeah, I have, I have a lot. They, um, I, I try not to interview politicians because I'm very hard on them. Yeah, but I think that we should be. And yes. I think when we get to a point where we have higher standards for the people that we put in control of our political uh, decision making, then 
I think you're going to have like, see a revival of actual media and actual truth and actual conversation. And I don't think we're there yet. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So um, I try to stay away from politicians because I don't want to end their careers. Absolutely. And that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Um, with that being said, I'm going to ask you something when we get off the, when we get off the camera, but don't worry. So I'm not going to ask you on camera because I don't put you on the spot. But I'm going to ask you something off the camera and we can talk about that when we get off the camera. Um, I had a final question I wanted to ask you, but I can't remember what it what it is. So I'm just going to ask you to um, let everybody know where they can find you and how to follow you and your parting thoughts. Um, you can find me every single uh, Saturday, Sirius X and Patriot channel 125 1 p.m you can catch the beat dropping we have a lot of fun over there mix the conservative intellect with hip-hop culture that's uh what we do and it always revolves on conservatism equally applied and my favorite social media is at twitter it is at sunny johnson that's s-o-n-n-i-e i post occasionally on facebook but you'll see a lot of um a lot of my nuance on twitter and yeah. you watch Twitter and my radio show together, then you kind of get a picture of what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. So it, they kind of play off each other and I use them in that respect. And um, and you can find me there and I appreciate it. And hopefully you'll find me back here because I get an invite to come back. Oh, oh, please. You you can call me on Sunday morning at 4.05 a.m. and say, Rajan, I want to come on and we will be on at 4.06. Okay. That's, and that's, <laughs> so as long as like as we're moving and we're going forward, I would love to be able to come back and just have as many of these discussions and we can open it up. We can have hip hop discussions. We can. I heard what you said at the beginning. You cover yeah, that's me. topics. I'm more than just politics. I love us and I like to speak on all aspects of us. Uh, just just the arena that I find myself in at the moment. So. Yeah. Have me back for a culture conversation. I love you. Already that. know, hey, it's already, it's already, it's like it's already done. Like, trust right. me, it's all, it's already done. I'm, my my wheels spin. My then wheels spin. Thank you so much. Give me to my clothes, and then I'm gonna come right back to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you guys so much. Let me start my music. All right. All right. All right. Thank you to Sunny Johnson, Sunny's Corner. Please. Man, if y'all like this episode, please give me some likes or something like that. I don't normally do the give me the thumbs up, give me the hearts thing, but can y'all do that? Because this was a really dope episode. Um, thank you so much for watching this week. Remember that the local celebrity spotlight shines every Wednesday night um, at 7 p.m. where I interview my local celebrities and unsung heroes. Um, today is the 10th, tomorrow's the 11th. I do not have an episode. Do I? I don't. I do. I do. Tomorrow night, I'm actually interviewing um, uh, Albert Robertson and his wife, whose name I can't remember, sorry, from Bold Dance Studio. Uh, we're going to be talking to them about their um, organization and what they're doing to impact the youth of the low country through dance um, and through the arts. Um, and next week, I'm actually interviewing um, national motivational speaker, uh, uh, he calls himself the inspirational artist, Brian Heat. He's a phenomenal speaker. I've heard him several times. He's one of my favorites. Um, join us and so we can talk about that. If you are doing something in the community or in the world that you would like a light shined on, please reach out to me on my website. That's www.realtalkwithrajan.com so that we can discuss getting you on the show. This and all my shows, in addition to my Car Chronicle series, is now available for your listening pleasure via Apple, Google, Spotify, and any place you can find podcasts. You can also find it on my website. That's www.realtalkrajan.com. 
If you'd like to be made aware of when I go live, because sometimes it is unscheduled, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe tab on the page and turn on the notifications so that you will know when something new is posted to the page. In the meantime, follow me on social media to stay up to date on what's happening in Real Talk Rajan. All you got to do, go to our website, type in Real Talk Rajan. I will pop up. If I don't pop up, I will probably never pop up there. So go somewhere else to find me. But I will ask this ask this special request on YouTube. Please follow me on YouTube. I'm pretty dope, and I do pretty dope interviews. And you want to hear what I the people that I interview and the things that we do. Because Sunny's coming back, and you're going to hear again. Um, feel free to leave comments, questions, and whatever else you'd like to say in the comment section or um, the message section. I love getting your feedback, even if it's negative, because I do not seek to be told how great I am, but instead to become as great as I can possibly be. And that only happens with honest feedback um if i am currently accepting invitations for speaking engagements and event hosting opportunities if you'd like for me to speak at or host your event you can request me via my website that's www.realtalkofrejean.com reminder that this episode was brought to you by signs to see um please go to them for all your custom design needs go to www.signs2c.com that's the letter two signs the letter signs the number two c.com and use the promo code Real Talk 2020, and you will get a 10% discount on your order. In closing, always remember, God is everything, and without him, we are nothing, so never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he's bound to fall for anything. Now, that's Real Talk. I will see y'all tomorrow night. Peace.